Are we hungry for the word today? Right on. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, the book of Isaiah. Love the prophet Isaiah. He is fabulous. All right, I'm going to begin reading. Where am I going to begin reading? Chapter 40, verse 28. Have you not known, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. If you'd allow me to, I'd like to pray one more time. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask you to just anoint me today, God. It's all about you, Lord. It's all about you as the messenger, God, and delivering the message. Just speak through me today as we explore the depth, the riches of your truth and your word that are transformational and life-changing. Holy Spirit, come and do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right. I'm ready now. That feels good. Okay. <clears throat> I want to talk to you today about the, a biblical principle known as waiting on the Lord waiting on the Lord and just briefly to kind of unpack this scripture the in the book of Isaiah here chapter 40 it's an interesting transition that takes place because in chapters 1 through 39 Isaiah is prophesying or he's talking to the people of the nation about more or less the present condition the present circumstances that are happening, they are, they are walking further and further away from God. They're kind of turning from Him, beginning to worship idols. They've been falling into sin and different places in their life. And they've been, He's warning them. He's telling them, like, these things are, they're going to bring consequences. Bad things are going to come from living this way. And in chapter 40, he makes this transition, and for the remaining chapters, uh, 40 through 66, he actually begins to prophesy about the future time of captivity that Israel is going to go into, uh, that the nation is going to be led into whenever Babylon comes and conquers them. And they're led away out of Jerusalem. That's when Solomon's temple was destroyed. Uh, destruction came about, and the people were led out into the uh, nation of Babylon where they spent 70 years in a time of captivity before they were able to return and the Lord brought them back. Now during that 70 year period, they went through a, a, a time of repentance, right? Repentance always leads us back into the arms of God when we've sinned and kind of willingly walked away from Him. Just as a side point, you know, that's important to recognize that if we willingly walk in sin, knowing that we're going against the will of God, that it will distance us from hearing his voice. It will create uh, a kind of a, an effect, a consequence in the way we walk in the blessings of God. There's, there's no way around that. And so, but when we repent 
and we ought to be a people who are quick to repent, right? When we repent, God forgives us and washes us clean and restores us to that place of righteousness um, that we are in so we walk closely with him and hear his voice and to know him as closely and intimately as we can. And so Isaiah is telling the people, you're going to go into this time of captivity. It's coming. It's impending. It's happening now because the sin of the people have led it to this point. But in the moments of, of talking about the time of captivity, he's actually like seeding the message, if you will, sort of saturating the message with a lot of encouragement and a lot of hope that he's giving the people that this isn't the end. This isn't the doom and gloom. Like there's, there's hope for restoration. God's going to actually bring you back. So it's, it's amazing when you think about it how these prophecies ended up becoming so accurately uh, fulfilled, but also the message that's in there, like, hey, the sin has led us to this point where we're, we're going to be taken away into captivity, but don't fret. In the time of captivity, God is going to restore us. He's going to do a work, and, and we're going to be coming back into the place, the land that God had given us all along. But he says something right here in verse 31 that's incredibly important. He says that those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And in today's world, let's face it, uh, waiting is not necessarily a common practice for a lot of things. Agreed? I mean, if you got to wait too long at the drive-thru, it throws you off, right? I mean, it, it just, information travels, things move at such speeds today that the idea of waiting on things or the, let's say the process of having to wait on things that we don't necessarily want to wait for can be incredibly difficult. In fact, I'll just be very real with you. This has been one of the greatest struggles for me is the whole waiting on the Lord part. But I've learned a lot about this and I've come to appreciate. In fact, I've actually come to be very zealous for the seasons that are those waiting seasons that God takes us through. And I want to encourage you that those times of waiting are actually something to embrace. They're something to get excited about and to love and appreciate when we are in those places and in those moments where, you know, we feel like we need to either be moving out of something faster than what we are. We, we, come on, this needs to end. This needs to be done. I need to come out of this. Or we have a new season that we're wanting to go into. And this needs to start. This needs to happen. I'm ready for this. Like, come on, let's move this thing along. I see a lot of people smiling. A few people can relate today, right? So any of those places that you're in. But look, there are these times that we come to, yes, where we lay hold and we move on and we break through into new places. The Bible says there's a season for everything under the sun and everything is beautiful in its time. He says there's seasons, so they come and they go. So we know that those are all things we go through, but you also have to recognize that there are these seasons that are simply seasons that would be categorized as waiting on the Lord, waiting on Him. And if we don't wait for Him in the way that we're supposed to, we can make a mess of things, all right? I mean, you've heard that saying, like when you're driving somewhere, well, you're not gonna get there any faster than the person in front of you, right? Unless you pass him. <laughs> I found you actually do get there faster. But, <laughs> loophole, yeah. But, Think about this though. 
We sometimes get on the lane of life and we're moving along and who's the one that's really leading the way? God. And sometimes we get to a point where we're like, all right, God, and we're going to go around and we're just going to pass him, right? Because we're, we're not wanting to wait. We don't want to be patient. We don't want, we're, we're moving on. We either want to get out of something too soon or we want to get into something too quickly. And so we bypass or miss and make a mess of this very beautiful, precious, amazing time that God has actually created space for us to have that he calls waiting on him. Are you with me? And it is an awesome thing. And there, the Bible has a whole lot uh, to say about this. But let me just make this point. If something is, is, cre- is meant to be waited for, then if... If we rush it, it will only wreck what God is trying to do. Think about pregnancy, right? Nine months. Now, I, I know we got a couple pregnant people in here today. The lesser looking, better looking uh, sibling <laughs> is one of them. <laughs> oh, I'm just getting started. Uh, she's like, oh, whew, that wasn't as bad. No, it's more coming. Anyway. <clears throat> So pregnancy, God created this, right? Nine months. I mean, we, we've been through this a lot. And I know for my wife, toward the end, like, you know, there got to be those moments where she got really uncomfortable and she was ready to, for this thing to be done. She's ready to give birth. And I'm like, honey, it's only six months, you know? <laughs> Slow down. It's too early, you know? I don't care. Yeah. And uh, so, but the nine-month process in God's wisdom, the way he created it, is very intentional, isn't it? It's very purposeful. In fact, if you study every week of the 40 weeks that is, that is pregnancy, all those weeks, there's something developing on a consistent basis in that child. And at the end of that nine months, it's nine months because it's that perfect time of full maturity where everything that needed to be incubated, everything that needed to be developed in the womb is now healthy and mature and ready for that birthing to take place. And then that child comes out perfectly ready and prepared for for moving into this life and into this world now. And so when we have seasons that God has created for us to just simply wait on Him, if we try to rush those through, if we try to make a nine-month process into a six-month process because we want to get on with things, then we can actually create a situation where things become prematurely birthed or improperly ended before they were fully finished in our lives. And that's, that's not a good thing for us, right? And so Isaiah says, he says, those that wait upon the Lord are actually going to renew their strength and they will mount up with wings like eagles. I'm going to talk to you about that here in a moment. But I remember even for Katie and I, like I said, this, is, this has always been one of those hard things for me because I'm a goer, man, and I, am, I like to move. I like things happening. I like progress. It's just the way I'm wired. And, and that's great in a lot of things, but it's tough in this waiting period. But we've been through a lot of stuff over these years where a whole lot has happened in different seasons. In fact, one time, whenever we were getting ready to plant this church um, officially, we had went through a move. We'd sold our house, moved into our new house over here, uh, and that was all happening at once. We were trying to finish selling. We had already closed and, were, and moved in, and then we had to start construction because the house we got was a great deal, but we had to do an addition with some rooms 
so that we could fit all those kids, you know. And uh, so we moved in, and we were literally, and, and, and Katie was eight months pregnant with Dax. And so she was, we were sleeping on, like, blow-up mattresses and couches and in the, living in this house, all of us, construction's going on, and, you know, we're getting ready to step out and plant this church. And I remember after we got settled in, the construction was done, Katie gave birth to Dax, number six, uh, all that kind of, it was like, I'm ready for a season of just waiting on the Lord now. I think I'm ready for just a little bit of time to just kind of sit and enjoy where we are. And I didn't always used to feel like that. I didn't always used to think like that. But those times and those moments, guys, I'm just trying to encourage you. They're precious and, and they're, ti- they're treasures and they're times to be had because there is work that is being done in the waiting process. And that's maybe the key, is that the kind of work God wants to do is only the kind of work that He can do when we're just waiting on Him. And so when we look at waiting on the Lord, what does that, what does that mean? It, it doesn't mean to just sit in a chair and sit there and, and do nothing. We know that idleness is not a godly quality, right? That's not what he's saying. He's taught the the waiting, the kind of sitting, actually speaks to the posture of our spirit. It actually speaks to the, the place that our spirit is at with God as we're in relationship with Him, where we're basically surrounded by Him, but waiting for Him to move us or to take us into this next place or this next thing or out of a thing in the way that He wants to do with His hand and with His timing. And in a lot of moments where we're in these places, it feels foggy, like we, we kind of don't know. We kind of can't figure it out. We feel something coming. God's given us kind of that, um, what do they call them? Contractions, right? You feel it coming. That was weird. But you feel it coming. You know what I mean. But it isn't really here yet, right? So you have something in you that senses what's going on. But yet, if it was really the time for it to be birthed, then God would have that thing being birthed. But there's still some waiting that's yet to be done. And there's still some work that God is wanting to do. Is anybody with me so far today? So listen to a few of these things that the Bible says about waiting. Psalm 62, verses 1 and 2. Truly my soul silently waits for God. From Him comes my salvation. He is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not greatly be moved. Notice that it says, my soul silently waits for God. Again, speaking to the position of, in our heart, not necessarily physical idleness, but where we are willing to sit still and be still and wait on God. Because when we can be still and just, first of all, the, a lesson of just being content and happy simply in His presence and in that moment of time where we're, we're still in relationship with Him, and not to be unsatisfied or discontent because not enough is going on or happening. There's a whole lesson of spiritual maturity in that. Just to simply God be enough no matter what, right? So this is my soul silently waits. Listen, when you're waiting on God and you're, and you're walking it out properly, it, there shouldn't be this inner frustration and this inner turmoil. Like I'm just... 
and I'm just a mess inside. I just can't, I'm agitated, I'm anxious, and I'm just, you know, this just really stinks. I don't like this. That's not the way it's, it's meant to be. My soul silently waits for God. It's, there's, a, there's a peace there's a pleasure, there's a satisfaction that we can grow and learn to appreciate and enjoy about the whole waiting process if we'll recognize that God is up to something and this waiting season is as purposeful as the next season that we're getting ready to break into. Are you with me? He says, my soul silently waits for you. And he says, I shall not greatly be moved. I love this. It's like saying, Lord, I'm going to wait for you until you have done what you're going to do, until you are ready to move me on, and I will not be moved out of the waiting by anyone or anything except for you. Isn't that good? Like, because it's saying, I won't let my flesh move me out of waiting. I won't let other people move me out of waiting. I won't let circumstances move me out of waiting. I'm going to stay here and in this place, and nothing is going to move me until you decide to move me, Lord. And, and it, it keeps us from being impulsive and making decisions that are led more by the flesh or our outward circumstances than actually being led inwardly by the Spirit of God who has a time and a pace and a rhythm to which everything goes. God is not in a hurry, right? He doesn't have to be because He owns time. He created it. He's outside of it. So He really set up time for our benefit. So if the Lord wants us to wait, wouldn't it make sense that that's better for us? And if you study the Bible, all these places, it's all over the Bible, the principle of waiting on the Lord, never at any point when you read it and you study it, does it say, waiting on the Lord and thou shall be unhappy. Waiting on the Lord and that will bring great difficulty. Like it's always this wonderful, awesome experience that we see, but somehow we can not go through it that way a lot of times. We can make it into something that is very difficult or very unsatisfying or hard for us, and that's not what these seasons are all about or designed to do whatsoever. Listen to Psalm 25, verses four through five. Show me your ways, O Lord, teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me for you are the God of my salvation. On you I wait all the day. All the day. I'll wait all day, Lord. Doesn't matter. You know, I was always kind of taught, you know, anything good is worth waiting for, right? I mean, when, you're, when you're, your bride is getting ready and she's fancying herself up, like, you just, it's, it's okay to wait, right? When she's ready, then we're ready to go. And I need to learn that a little bit better, okay? I'm just, be honest. But I will wait all day long is what the psalmist says. I'll wait all day if I have to, Lord. Doesn't matter. I don't have a condition on this thing. I haven't set a line that says I'll wait for you until, and then I'll, and then I'll have to get on with things, God. All right, I'm gonna give you until... Six o'clock. And I mean, I'm waiting until six, but Lord, you know, I got to get on with things after that. Did you know that that was exactly what got Saul into so much trouble? King Saul? That was what, that was what caused God to rip the kingdom from him and from his lineage. See, he was supposed to wait for the prophet Samuel for seven days. 
And Samuel said, go down to uh, it was Gilgal, I believe. And he said, wait for, me, wait for me there. Before you fight the Philistines, before you make sacrifices, just wait for me. Wait for the man of God to come with the word of the Lord. And so Saul was waiting these seven days, and the pressure started to mount. The Philistines started to close in and began to intimidate and began to threat. That would be easy to push us out of a place of waiting, wouldn't it, when your enemies are closing in on you? And also the people that he was leading began to get very disgruntled and unhappy with him. Image conscious, I'd say he was. And the people began to hide in caves because they were scared and they were running and they were fleeing. And fear can cause us to do some pretty crazy things too. But when we're meant to wait on the Lord, we need to trust and know that God has a solution. It's coming. And if we just wait, this thing will get birthed maturely, properly, and in a powerful way that will bring what, what God wants to do in our lives to fruition. But fall just, uh, fall. Saul, he just waited and fell. He had a fall. And, uh, and, and he wouldn't wait anymore. And it says in the Bible, it says when, when uh, Samuel got there and he says, what have you done? What, what did you do? And he's like, well, I was waiting and... But I, 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 I kind of got tired of waiting because the Philistines were here and the people were getting unhappy. And so I felt compelled to do something. Isn't that interesting? Many times we can feel compelled and it's not of God. It's just our flesh. Get out of the fire. Get moving. Get out of this place, you know. And he felt compelled. and says, I felt compelled. So I did. And he took action on this on this feeling that wasn't of God and he broke a commandment that the man of God the word of the Lord had already issued him and when he did when Samuel said that's it you've done it you've wrecked it the Lord would have established your kingdom for years but instead this day the kingdom is being ripped from you and it's going to be given to another and from that moment on David was the man after God's own heart who would become the next king but isn't it I've always found that fascinating that the Bible said about Saul that God's, God would have established his kingdom. Like he would have allowed Saul to remain king and his lineage after that. But because of what Saul did, it said he ripped the kingdom from him. You see, whenever we know that God is up to something and we have to wait on him, simply meaning I'm not going to step out on my own. I'm not going to just go in my own direction. I'm not going to get impatient and impulsive and just get tired of God not doing what I want him to do. Get tired of God not moving fast enough in this thing that I know he's up to. And I'm just going to step out and do it on my own. And as soon as we do, it's like the blessing and the grace for that season that we're in just begins to lift. Can I tell you something? You need grace on you in every moment for every season that you're called to. And that grace of God rests upon those who are in his will and who are walking with him and in his presence. And if we move and step out of something prematurely, then you should. This is actually something that will give you hope. Because if you step out and you do make a mistake, then there, you need to recognize that there is a peace that, that we walk in when we stay in God's will. And if we step out on our own and get away from there, then that peace will begin to lift. And there will be something that we'll sense has left us. And in those moments, we need to recognize, wait a minute, I need to pull back. Isn't that good? I need to pull back. I need to hold off for just, I think I might have just got ahead of God. And I think that the peace just lifted. I can't even necessarily put my finger on it. Many times, we can't even really put, accurately explain. It's just you either have peace, and so you can move forward even if you don't understand how or why, or you don't have peace, and so you don't go. 
you wait until the Lord is ready to move you. Amen. I love it when Israel was traveling around in the desert, in the wilderness. It said that there was the pillar of fire by night and the cloud by day that they would travel and the Lord would lead them. But when they would come to places, they would set up camp and then the cloud would just rest there. And it would rest as long as it rested. And, and they wouldn't leave and they wouldn't move. They wouldn't travel. They wouldn't do anything until one day when they get up or they're walking around and all of a sudden the cloud begins to move. Oh, the Lord is ready to move. Now it's time to move. Isn't that awesome? But they had this cloud that they could just see. So when God would move, they knew he was moving. And if he wasn't moving, they would not go. They would follow and they would stay and they would wait. And that is a perfect picture of how spiritually, when the presence of God now lives inside of us, the Holy Spirit, that we're to follow him and to wait for him exactly as he chooses to lead us. And just like in this psalm where it says in Psalm 25, show me your ways, O Lord, and teach me your path. Lead me in your truth and teach me. On you I will wait all the day. In the waiting process, we find direction and we find clarity and we find knowledge. Teach me and show me and guide me. Holy Spirit is the guide of all truth in us, right? And so as we wait for him in the proper way, then the, the direction and the knowledge and the clarity that we need, that we're seeking, will be revealed to us in those waiting seasons and in those waiting times. Also, take a look at this in Psalms 37, 7. It says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Rest in the Lord. Again, back to this point of it shouldn't be this constant struggle. It might be when you first start to get a hold of this principle. It might be difficult to kind of grow into a place where waiting on the Lord becomes more normal and, and natural for you, right? But there shouldn't be this inner tension when we're in a waiting season. He says that we should rest. Who else talked about rest? Jesus, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. The Bible says that the blessing of the Lord will make one prosperous and he will add no sorrow with it. There's a rest and a peace about every kind of season that God is leading us through. Whether difficult or exciting or adventurous or coming out of or going into, like it's always meant to be done in a place of rest. And when we wait on the Lord, that's no different either. There should be a rest about it. It's like, wow, I'm just going to rest in the, in the Lord's arms. I'm just going to let him refresh me in this time. I'm just going to enjoy this season, this moment, this time of waiting on God. Because as you do, they will mount up with wings as eagles, right? Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength and mount up with wings as eagles. To renew your strength means to be refreshed and to acquire new, acquire new strength. It means God actually adds something to you in those moments that you previously hadn't had deposited in your spirit. But if you don't wait on that, how can it happen? Are you with me? When you start thinking about it like this, it's like, wait a minute. I definitely don't want to get on with things too quickly and miss what God wants to put in me and deposit in me. The, the newly acquired strength in my inner man that's necessary for the season that's ahead. 
See, God goes before all of us. The Bible says that he goes before our path. He's been there and he knows what's out ahead. And so he sees where we are going and what we need in us to be ready for what he's prepared us for. So if we're waiting and God's still doing something, it's because he's more wise than us and he knows we're possibly just not quite ready yet. And that's okay because he's equipping us to be ready when we get there. But if we jump out, guess what? Whoa, where'd you go? I wasn't done yet, right? And then we miss some of those things that God is trying to do. But I'm just, I really want to encourage you with the fact that there is a beauty and, and a pleasure and a rest and just a wonderful uh, thing to be had in these moments and in these seasons where we are really just being asked to wait on the Lord. And it says they'll mount up with wings like eagles. To mount up means to ascend and to climb. And we know that as God is preparing us and leading us into our destiny, that He is increasing, expanding, and, and elevating, if you will, exalting us. Because those who humble themselves will be exalted. And so God is taking us into these great places where we can do amazing things for Him. It says they'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll ascend and climb as they wait on the Lord. And they'll continue to move to new and newer and higher heights in the levels of the calling that God has for them. And I love that he chose eagles in this. Because at this point, in this day, eagles were the only cre the, the creatures that would go to the highest points of elevation of anything that they knew. In these, they didn't have airplanes and all that space travel and all that other stuff, right? And so eagles would actually be able to get up to, they can get up to like 10,000 feet in elevation. Now think about this. This blows my mind. So according to most of the people in the Bible at this time, that was considered like almost part of the heavens. That was, that high up was in sort of like the heavenlies, right? And so when you, when Paul talked about a vision that he had in 2 Corinthians 12, he said, I was taken up into the third heaven. Now, so that means there's Department, compartments, if you will, to heaven, right? And the way you study it in the Bible, when heavens is used in many places, it speaks of it sometimes as the earth's atmosphere, which is where these eagles were up in the top, or top parts of. Sometimes it speaks of the celestials, like the stars and the galaxy and the skies. And, and then sometimes it's the third heaven, which Paul speaks about, and that's the abode of God. That's the dwelling place of God. That's where we're all going one day if Christ lives in us, right? But what he's saying here is that if you'll wait on the Lord, God will lift you. He will elevate you. He will grow you and exalt you into places where you will get a vantage point over your situation and over life that literally like you are rising above your circumstances so that you can see more clearly from an elevated view and to see as, if, as the ways that the Lord sees over your situation. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, it says that God has raised us up to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You are meant to see and have a view of things in this world that are different than the world has of the world. And you see that from a higher elevation and a higher vantage point, metaphorically speaking. He's saying if you'll learn to wait on God and you'll be comfortable and you'll be content and you'll find pleasure and happiness and rest in the waiting seasons, then God will 
continue to lift you and elevate you into places in your journey where you will begin to see things in a way you could never see them on your own, but God will give you a view that's similar to the way that God sees things so that you can walk through that differently now and more in line with the way that God is calling you to. We have to have that kind of clarity about the things that we're going through in our lives. To be honest, well, I just don't trust myself. I trust God. It's like Paul says, he says, I, I don't trust you to judge me. I don't even trust myself to judge me. I only trust God to do that. He says, I, I, I'm going to mess it up. If it, all, if it falls on me, I'm going to mess it up. You see, I want to see with the eyes of God. I want to see what he sees. And, I want, and he, I want to be in a place where I'm willing to wait on him until he reveals, until he brings the thing to maturity. And that peace that's been there is now beginning to move forward. And I can follow that peace in great faith and in great confidence. And I can see much more clearly than I ever would have before. I'll close with this. M many people... Um, when we talk about the, the words of Jesus, the risen Lord, after he had risen from the grave and he was seen for 40 days in different places and with the disciples and other people, um, there are a lot of things that we see in the, in the Gospels and in the book of Acts about the conversation and the dialogue that Jesus had in these different appearances. And many times uh, people say, you know, the last things that Jesus said was go and make disciples of all nations, Je taking the gospel into all the world. And he did say that. He said that in Matthew chapter 28. And that's an important part of what we are to all do is to take our witness, take our testimony into a lost, hurting, and dying world. That is an absolute part of every one of our callings is to show the glory of God and be witnesses for him in all the earth where we walk. But he said that in Matthew 28. But in Acts chapter 1, which were the final moments before he ascended back up to the heavenlies and sat down at the right hand of the Father. Right before the ascension, do you know what he said? He said, wait. Wait in the city until you are endued with power from on high. You see, there was a go in their future. There was a mission in their plan. But there was a waiting that had to be done so that a power could be given so that the mission would be effective. Hallelujah. Without the power that came in the waiting, they would have never stepped into the birth of the church in the new, with the power and the glory and the authority that they walked in after that. Can you imagine if they would have been like, I've been in this upper room for six days. <laughs> I can't do it anymore, Lord. I can't do it anymore. You imagine if they came down early before Pentecost from that deal? I mean, that would have, they would have blown it, wouldn't they? That would have been a sh show that they would have missed. That, that would have been bad. And this is amazing to me, but we wait as long as it takes. As long as it takes. But God has a perfect time to everything. And so he, he's doing something. And it's that waiting is purposeful and, and then he'll move us and then we'll go and then we'll step into things with new power and new authority. They waited. If you study this out, Jesus died on the Passover and he was risen three days after that. That 
Passover feast, and then the next one is Pentecost, which is when the power came and the Holy Spirit fell. Pentecost means 50. It's 50 days after Passover. So Jesus died, and then he rose from the grave three days later, and then he walked with them for 40 days and was appeared in different places. That's 43 days. And then he said, wait. Pentecost happened on the 50th day. They waited seven days. In the Bible, the number seven is a number of perfection. It's a number of completion. That means you wait as long as it takes. But the Lord has a perfect time. And he will accomplish a perfect work in those waiting seasons. Hallelujah. Amen. Isn't that good? Raise stand to your feet with me today. The Lord is good, isn't he? He just knows. He just knows what's right, what's good, what we need. And my encouragement for you today is, be, is this. Let's enjoy the waiting seasons when they're here. When those moments are, are, are in our lives where God's saying, look, just enjoy this. It's not going to be this way forever. It's not going to really be this way for very long. There's a season for everything under the sun, and they're all beautiful in their time. So the seasons are going to change. The flower fades, the grass withers, but the word of God stands forever. <laughs> it just, just rest in my arms. Just enjoy this place. Enjoy this moment. Enjoy this time. Press in. Seek me. Know me more deeply and intimately than you ever have before. Use this time wisely. Redeem the time. The Bible talks about exchanging our time for things that are profitable, not things that are evil. Man, what is more profitable than an opportunity to take time to just press in and get closer with God? And when the waiting season and the preparation and the work that is being done in our inner man that God is up to because we're in His arms and He can do that, when that time is coming to an end and he's ready to move us on listen you will learn to recognize the peace that surpasses understanding and you'll learn to follow it when it's moving and you'll learn to stay when it's waiting the peace of God be our God father in Jesus name I ask you Lord that you would just encourage all of our hearts today with this word strengthen us God we know that patience and waiting is a trait of godliness it doesn't unite it doesn't really align with our flesh most of the time but we know that it aligns with your will and seasons in our lives help us God to just recognize those times recognize the opportunities that are in those seasons and then just sit back in your arms and enjoy every moment of it and let you do exactly what you want to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.